I remembered one of the birth assistants, she had said to me when we moved from the birth pool to the bedroom, she said she felt like there were angels in the room, like ready to help um, bring this special baby to our family. And I just think that is so special Mm -hmm. to have had that experience. And I felt that way when I was in labor, when I was in the birth pool, I just, like I said, I felt so loved and supported and it, it really brought me to tears how sacred that space felt. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Is there really any benefit in preparing for a birth when you've already had two previous births? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 142 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Kelsey Rose, two-time birth center and newly home birth mother. We will learn all about the differences in Kelsey's experiences, as well as how she prepared for her change of birth location. Now, before we jump into this episode, I've got to give a huge thank you to all of you who hopped onto Apple Podcasts recently and left ratings and reviews. I saw a major increase, and I am just so grateful. So I would love to thank this week our reviewer of the week, and that was SCT, who put the best way to prepare for birth. As a first-time mom preparing for home birth, I was thrilled to find this podcast. Throughout my pregnancy, I listened to episodes almost every day and even repeated some favorite episodes three or four times. Listening to these stories made me so excited for my own labor and birth. Now, my two-week-old baby recognizes Caitlin's voice and calms down on car rides when I play an episode of the podcast. Thank you for sharing such a wonderful resource. Oh my gosh, Ezzy, that made my day. Thank you so much for your taking the time of reviewing. And I'm just so grateful to hear that this podcast was a help to you and maybe still is. You're trying to get a little nap time in. So Essie, if you would email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'd love to send you a happy home birth podcast sticker. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into this incredible episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Would you take a moment just to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes. So my name is Kelsey Rose is my last name. Um, I live in Idaho. I have three little boys. My husband works from home and he actually has worked from home for a couple of years now before it was like the cool thing to do. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a teacher by trade, but currently a stay at home mom. Very nice. Oh, so you're, so everybody's at home together. Yeah, it's great. We love it. We have, we rent a home, but it's on 37 acres. So we have a chicken coop and the massive garden and we, the next nearest neighbors, a good quarter mile down the road. So it's just bliss out here. Wow. That is amazing. I can't imagine how much fun it would be to just be growing up on 37 acres of land. That's fantastic. (laughs) Totally. 
So I would love to hear how you ended up with your first pregnancy choosing to use a midwife Um, because you had mentioned you had you used a midwife with all three of your pregnancies and it does seem like a lot of times moms begin their their birthing experience in the hospital and then later decide "Eh, actually I'd like to move this somewhere else but that wasn't the case for you so what was your first pregnancy like and how did you make that decision well, um, once I got pregnant, I did what everyone else does where you seek out, you know, an OBGYN and I had gone there a couple of visits. And I remembered on my first visit saying to the gal, um, to the doctor, you know, I'd really like to have my baby naturally. And she said, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just kind of did not like that answer. I thought, what do you mean? We'll see, you know, so I just didn't think that I would be supported. So I started to just kind of talk to my other mom friends that I went to church with. And I also, when I would drive to work, cause I was working as a teacher at the time, I was teaching seventh grade science. Um, I found an audiobook and it was called the business of baby. And I know a lot of people on this podcast reference the business of being born documentary. And I thought that sounds familiar to me. I, I read something similar. So I actually listened to that audiobook, the business of baby. And it talked about just the crazy statistics of how the United States has such a high maternal um, mortality rate and infant mortality rate. And that the C-section rate national average is like 30%. And I just mm. thought this is crazy. So that really led me to start asking questions of, is there a way to do this differently? Mm, yeah. <laughs> And I ended up having two friends actually that had five kids. Each of them had five kids. And they both told me that with their last couple of kids, they went with this midwife and they said, if I could go back, I would have all of my kids with a midwife. And I'm like, sign me up. I need to meet this woman. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm about four months along at this point. And I went and met with this midwife and I just, I had been really prayerful, you know, Heavenly Father, help me know if this is a good choice. And if it's not, you know, I'll find something else. And when I met with her, I just felt so, so confident in her, in her care. She was a really seasoned midwife. By the time I had interviewed her, she had birthed 5,000 babies. Holy moly. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know what you're doing. I feel totally safe in your care. So yeah, I switched at about four months with her. That is amazing. Gosh, that's so many babies. So, okay. So you make this decision to switch to a midwife. I'd love to hear number one, what was your husband's response to this? And then how is this received by your surrounding family and friends? Uh, My husband is a dream. He just was like, I said to him, you know, I really think I want to use this midwife that like my friends, Carrie and Danielle were talking about. And he goes, all right, cool. Yeah, it's, it's your body. You're birthing it, whatever you want to do. That's awesome. And I loved that because I know that's not really typical a lot of times, but he just thought, you know, I'll meet with her and if he feels good too. So he was really on board from the beginning and especially after meeting the midwife and seeing, oh yeah, okay, this facility, you know, her, um, her birth center was legit. <laughs> it wasn't a shack without running water, you know, just the weird misconceptions people have about midwives. Right. So yeah, he was on board. No big deal with my immediate family. Very nervous. In-laws, very nervous. Um, but they were also respectful. They didn't put their nerves on me, but I just, you know, the things that they would say and, 
um, you could just get a sense for that. And then my immediate family, I think the same thing, you know, just, well, what, what if something happens, but as much as people probably thought I was a little bit nuts, they really were respectful and kept their opinions to themselves for the most part. Oh, that's great. That's always nice because yeah, everyone's entitled to their own feelings about things, but I love that even though maybe they were a little like, I'm not sure about this, they respected your choice. Well, and especially if any of the um, mothers in particular had, let's say a negative experience at a hospital, something went wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That they think, well, what if something goes wrong? Where I know, you know, a lot of times things go wrong because of interventions. And so I just knew I was empowered with that education and I was not worried, but I understood their worry because if you don't know, you know, then it's, it can be worrisome. Absolutely. Oh, that's such a great perspective. I love that. And I think that that can help a lot of listeners who do feel that frustration of like their family not understanding and just trying to remember like, okay, this, this person has an experience, not to say that, you know, it's okay for someone to just smother you with their trauma, but understanding where someone is coming from can help you just accept what's being said and accept that you're doing something differently. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Okay. So as you switch over to your midwifery care, what was that transition like? And then I'd love to hear just kind of how your birth unfolded. Well, when I first met with her, she has this philosophy of, I want your baby to be safe. I want your birth experience to be safe and happy, safe coming before happy. So meaning that she's going to, you know, use her experience and her, uh, when she decides that a certain Uh, I guess course of action needs to be taken that I respect her decision. And I was totally on board with that. So that would mean that she would not let me birth at her center past 42 weeks. So Mm -hmm. as I'm getting near my, to my due date, of course I go over and then I go a week over and then a few days over that. And that's when she started to kind of say, okay, let's, let's see what we can do to get this baby here before 42 weeks, because he ended up being born three days before that mark. So he was, you know, 11 days past his due date. So leading up to that, I remembered going in, um, I'm like 10 days over my due date and she checks me and I'm like barely one centimeter. (laughs) And she's just like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do something to get things started. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but what she did was she swept my membranes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm like, Oh, okay. So she said, come back tomorrow afternoon around 3 PM. If nothing else happens between now and then. Well, that, what that really did was set me into prodromal labor. Yeah. I, I was from 9 PM till like 5 AM the next day. I was having contractions that were 45 seconds to a minute long. And they were like three to six minutes apart. Mm. And I thought, okay, this is labor, right? Like every book, every birth class you take tells you this is labor. So I had this goal, get to midnight. Okay. Get to 3am. Okay. Once it's 5am, if it's still this pattern, I will go in and go see her. So I get to 5am, we get in the car, we drive over to the birth center and she was a good 35 minutes from our house. Um, we get there and she's like, Oh honey, you're still at one centimeter. Mm. And I'm just, I am so distraught at this news because those contractions, that was a lot of work all night long. And it did not do a single thing for my dilation. Mm -hmm. So, and then it also killed my confidence as a first time mom thinking I was in labor. Now I'm like, 
how do I know if I'm in labor if that is not labor? Yeah. <laughs> Don't understand. So I had some big crocodile tears at that. And she ended up stripping my membranes again. Um, and I was just like, I felt really defeated in that moment. And she said, mm. you know, come back if, if things speed up again, but she wouldn't keep you at the birth center unless you were at least four centimeters. So mm. here I had to drive home. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so looking back at those membrane sweeps, do you feel like, how do you feel about that? I know, I know it can be so frustrating when it's like, oh, all right, I'm doing something. This is going to do something. And then it's like, okay, it actually really just messed with me pretty hard. Yes. I know it's getting close to that 42 week mark, but previous Mm -hmm. to those days I was losing mucus plug. So I think if we had left it alone, my body would have gone into labor probably probably the next day probably right. within two days on its own just and without the prodromal yes and I don't think I would have had that so looking back and then at the same time I didn't know and I didn't consent because it was just this is what we're doing mm-hmm. and that's a little bit different you don't typically get that with midwives mm-hmm. um, but I get what women feel when they have you know doctors sweep their membranes how they feel like hang on a minute I didn't really have a say in this, but I didn't realize that until after the fact. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's really helpful. I think for, for mothers to hear. And okay. So, so we have this second membrane strip, you head back home and what happens then? Well, I knew, okay, I need to rest. I need to rest. I need to figure out how I can just rest while I get home. And that is impossible. These contractions are coming even harder than they were before. And so I think, okay, make it to 8 a.m., make it to 9 a.m. And then I can call my friend Heather. And I had asked her to come and be at my birth with me because I didn't have any um, family close by, but I really wanted basically like a doula. She was Mm kind of getting her doula certification, but she wasn't certified yet. She had had five kids. I thought I'll have her come and be my birth support. I thought I'll call Heather. And so she came over about 930 and she takes one look at me and she looks at Justin and she's like, we need to go. Mm. (laughs) So we get in her car and I get to the birth center and Uh, The midwife freed herself. She was with a couple other clients. She freed herself to come check me. And hallelujah, I was at four centimeters. So I got to stay. (laughs) I did not have to leave. (laughs) Thank goodness. So that made me feel so much better. And her birth assistant asked me, would you like to labor in the tub? And I was a little nervous because I wasn't sure if that would slow things down. I'm like, hang on, now that things are happening, I'm not sure. And she said, you know, let's just give it a chance. And what wisdom there was in that, because I got in that tub and what I finally was able to do at that point was relax. I had not been able to relax until this point due to being confused about if I was in labor or not, you know. Um, So when I was there, I knew, okay, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm having a baby today. I can relax. And as soon as I was able to relax, that's when the magic of dilation happened. Within an hour of being in the tub, I had moved from a four to a six. And within 45 minutes after that, I had moved to completion. And I remembered close to that 45 minute mark, I threw up in the tub just out of nowhere. I didn't see it coming. I was totally zen. I would have a contraction, but it was just like, I would breathe and it was no big deal. Um, I throw up and my husband was so funny. He goes, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you have morning sickness and it's kind of like just that stomach stuff, you haven't eaten anything yet. So it's just whatever's in your stomach. So it's kind of bright green, maybe a little yellow that's coming out and landing in the tub. And he just was, I mean, looking at Heather, what is that? And I'm thinking, have you never seen me throw up in the 12 weeks I had morning sickness? Like, what? 
hilarious to me, but sure enough, the midwife knew, okay, let's check her. She gets me out and I'm fully dilated and no water has broken yet. So she goes, I'm going to break your water. Let's go ahead and have you push. So she breaks my water and 45 minutes later, I had my first, he was a boy and I ended up tearing a little, uh, two centimeters. So I had stitches and then that boy, I don't know what happened, but I had a tailbone injury with that <gasps> delivery as well. Oh. And I couldn't sit comfortably for a long time. I remember going to church for the first time, like a couple of months later, and I sat on the pew and I'm like, oh no, this is not happening. Mm. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. It took probably, I couldn't do a regular sit up without feeling some kind of sharp pain back there for like four years. <laughs> wow. Did you ever get it like diagnosed that it had like cracked or broken or? You know, I wish I would have, but I didn't know to do that yeah. at the time. Um, I had some people say, well, the only way someone can check is if they like, they have to go and do like a rectal exam. And oh. I'm like, huh, yeah, not interested. I, I, love just, those. <laughs> <laughs> I would just let that heal. But about a year ago, uh, I was doing a sit up and I, and I didn't feel any pain. I went, all right, four oh. years later, here we are. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> so that was his birth experience. But, you know, I was reviewing my birth stories on my blog and as much as, you know, that was a challenge at the last sentence of my blog I had written I'm so grateful to have started my journey of motherhood with such a great experience so even though that birth kind of had its hiccups and that delivery was a little bit you know hard um I that was the way I felt about my birth experience and I thought wow how empowering that is I wish every woman could feel that way every mother could feel that confidence after giving birth and going into her motherhood journey and just yeah. listening to, I think that also helps mothers listen to their intuition. Um, so I was really grateful for my birth experience for sure. That's a great point. I love the connection that you make with intuition. I think that's, that's so valid and just using your birth experience as a way to heighten that and connect it. I mean, how much does that benefit your entire motherhood journey. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. So, okay. So you have your first birth experience and you felt empowered. You felt really good about that experience. So I would love to hear what, what happened next? What was your, I guess, what was your postpartum like? And then when did you become pregnant again after that? Postpartum was a challenge. He had a tongue tie, but I didn't know that until recently when I started to learn about tongue ties, yeah, I had his tongue tie revised when he was four and wow, his so much easier to understand him. I had family say, you know, I can finally understand him a lot better. And I thought, yeah, it was that dang tongue tie. So wow. being a first time breastfeeding mom, that hurt a lot. I breastfed him for 10 months, but the first was, I mean, there was bleeding and that's not normal, but people would say, oh yeah, it's normal. So I'm frustrated mm -hmm. with how people normalize pain during breastfeeding. It's not normal. Right. Um, if you're having pain, then something's going on, you know, discomforts is different, but if you're bleeding, that's not normal. Right. So, um, now that I am a seasoned mother, know that that's not normal. I just look back at myself like, Oh, good for you for just, uh, you know, going on with that yeah. as much as that was a challenge. But other than that, I had postpartum was not a big deal. I, I was feeling fine other than my tailbone was, you know, a little tender, but I had prepared freezer meals and I had friends that offered to bring dinner. So I never felt really frazzled. And of course, when you have one, 
you just can soak in that one baby, you know? Mm. So I just, I have fond memories of his postpartum. I didn't have any um, postpartum depression. I didn't have any, even baby blues. And, you know, I contribute a lot of that all through boys. I did the encapsulation of the placenta. And I know people think, you know, that's, people think that's crazy. And I understand. But when people say, oh yeah, when your milk comes in, you're really emotional. You have the birth high and then it drops. I didn't have that with any of my births. Wow. And I'm thinking, you know, I didn't have any of that. Nope. Wasn't super emotional. Didn't have a crash. Uh, great milk supply. So I'm a believer. <laughs> I, know it's, I know it's anecdotal and I'm only three and that's certainly not any kind of a case study, but for me personally, uh, yeah, I'm a fan. That's awesome. Hey mamas, I'm going to interrupt for just a second to let you know that I have a totally new, totally free home birth guide for you. It's called the Top 8 Home Birth Resources Checklist, and it is full of clickable links that will take you to the best podcast episodes, educational resources, and classes regarding home birth in order to get you ready for this life-altering experience. Want in? Just head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash top eight to get your hands on it. Okay, back to the episode. With my second, I got to like nine months old with my first and I told my husband, I would love to have another baby because by the time we have a baby, my baby will be a toddler. Like, let's have another. He's like, okay. So at 10 months, we tried to conceive and we got our second first try. So that was lovely. And his pregnancy, very much like the first, had a little bit of morning sickness every day until the second trimester. I still had really high energy. So I was very blessed with my pregnancies, those first two. And with his birth, oh my goodness, his birth is like a dream birth. Mm. Um, I'm past my due date. Yes, I'm past my due date by a week. I'm like, yep, I'm fine. It's all fine. And my midwife asks if she would like me if she, if she would like me to have her strip my membranes and I'm like, no, thanks. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Right. I have a whole other week that we can see what would happen. Right. So, um, I remember I'm a week past, uh, his due date and I start to have contractions in the night that keep you up, but they're, they're just enough to keep you awake. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, things are happening, but I don't think this is a real thing. Um, the next day was a Saturday. My family, my husband and my, uh, my I guess, 18-month-old at the time, we just spent the whole day together. It was spring in Washington State, and it was a beautiful spring day. We went for walks, and I could feel contractions throughout the day. And I thought, okay, good. You know, my body's warming up. And that evening, I could st- I could tell things were happening. Mm. So I decide, okay, I'm going to have another sleepless night, right? So I will go ahead and tell my husband, go to bed because I know that this is going to take a while (laughs) and I'm doing fine. So I just turned on a show and I got in the tub and I just labored on my own all night. And those contractions, very manageable, very, I just stayed relaxed. If I got uncomfortable on the couch, I would move to the tub. If I got bored in the tub, I'd move back to the couch. And I just did that all night. And I thought, okay, you know, we'll just see what happens. Justin wakes up the next morning at like seven in the morning. My baby, my toddler's still sleeping, but he comes down to check on me. And I said, you know, I just feel so normal. I didn't feel out of control by any means. In between contractions, I'm having like normal conversation. I'm like, I just don't know. And he goes, well, should I call Nancy? Should I call the midwife? I'm like, well, I guess you could. And then I say to him, 
you know, why don't you go ahead and tell her that I'm starting to feel pressure on my bum? That's the uh-huh. only thing I can say. <laughs> and he's like, um, okay. I'm like, but otherwise I, I'm fine. I feel, you know, whatever. So he calls her and tells her, you know, she's doing great, but she feels like she can feel him really low, like down on her bum. And of course she's like, come in right now, please. <laughs> so we get up the toddler, drop him off at grandma and grandpa's and we drive to the birth center. And I'm thinking in the car ride the whole time, please, please let me be at least four centimeters. Please, 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 please. I do not want to have to leave again. Right. Right. And I'm thinking there's no way I, these are not nearly as hard as they were last time. We'll just see. We get there and she checks me and she says, okay, well, you're fully dilated. (laughs) (laughs) You can go ahead and push. I'm going to break your water and you can go ahead and push. And I burst into tears because I'm so grateful. I am just, I am shocked. I am like, there's no way I am 10 centimeters. So what I know now is in the car ride that half an hour, I was basically in transition and get there and fully dilated. And yay, 20 minutes later, I push out my second. Okay. So transition in the car. (laughs) It sounded like it was a rather gentle one. Is that right? Did it feel gentle to you? The car ride was really challenging, but I just figured it was because I didn't have my tub. You know, gotcha. the whole time I was in the tub and as relaxed, I just thought, but I did have the urge. I was feeling that urge mm. to like push. And I was like, oh, trying to hold it, I guess. <laughs> That's a thing. So it was a challenge. That car ride was. And I thought, oh, okay, we're at the first center. Let's just let her check me and I can get back in the tub and I'll be fine. Right. Wow. But no, it was time to push. And That's amazing. He, yes. He ended up having the cord wrapped around his neck. Mm. And so Justin was there ready to catch the baby. She lets, you know, the husband catch the baby. And she could see that there was the cord. So she kind of moved Justin out of the way at the last minute. And she says to me, get him out on this push. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know what's going on, but yes, ma'am. You know, so we pushed him out and she just undid the cord, but no big deal. Right. His cord's still attached. I know he's getting oxygenated blood to his brain. I'm not worried. Um, They did a little bit of suction out of his nose and he came around just fine. And I remember his umbilical cord was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because it was like spiraled mm, yeah. and it was silver and blue. And I looked at that thing and was like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. It was so cool. And it was so long. So yeah, I just marveled at him. He came out, he looked so pretty when he first came out, which was bizarre to me. I'm like, wow, you're already so beautiful. Look at my <laughs> beautiful baby. So yeah, his birth was phenomenal. I kept saying, I cannot believe I just had a baby because Mm. I was expecting to be at four centimeters and have another 12 hours to go, you know? Wow. So his birth really was amazing. And I thought to myself after that birth, okay, next time I'm going to do a home birth because I'm not driving in the car again. Mm, Yes. (laughs) I'm not doing it. It's car attractions. (laughs) Yes. No, thank you. (laughs) Okay. Wow. And so, so that was, let's see, when, what's the difference between that birth? When did you get pregnant again with your third? Third, we waited till uh, about three years. Okay. So there's a good three-year gap between number two and number three. Yep. And when did, and what was that postpartum like? His postpartum was a dream. Mm-hmm. I, um, I hadn't known anything about the resources of that you talk a lot about with postpartum, you know, take things easy, lay in bed as long as you can. But I was feeling great and I'm like, awesome. So a week later I would take my toddler out with my new baby and we do short little walks. So I was pretty active pretty quickly. Wow. I had prepared with freezer meals. I didn't tear. So his healing, I just felt like was 
just blissful. It was wonderful. Um, looking back, I would have probably taken things, taken things a little easier in the beginning, just because I know how beneficial that is, but I certainly didn't have any setbacks because of my early activity. So I kind of lucked out. Oh, that's good. That is great to hear. And I do think that especially when you're going from a labor where maybe you did have a bit of a tear that you have to heal to one where there is no tear to heal, it can be like, oh, wow, I feel fine. Did I have a baby? (laughs) I know exactly. (laughs) So I felt great. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. So then we have this three-year gap and then you, you knew at that point you wanted to have a home birth, correct? Yes. And I had moved from Washington to Idaho at this point. So I knew I'd have to find a new midwife. And I first, so what I did, I went shopping before I was pregnant, which I highly recommend because then there's no pressure. If you never call them back for all they know, you never got pregnant again. You know what I mean? That's a great tip. (laughs) So I, and I'm such a pushover. I'm just a people pleaser, which is why I also knew that going the midwife route would be better for me because if I had been in the hospital and a nurse had said to me, so honey, what do you think about getting the epidural? I'd be like, okay, even though I wouldn't want one, you know, I'm just such a, okay, sure. Whatever you think. Yeah. Oh, does that make it easier for you? Okay, sure. Fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, yeah, I'm like, if I want to have a natural birth, I really need to set myself in the right environment to have a natural birth. So I went shopping, I went to a birth center over here and I, eh, wasn't my favorite. I just, you know, you just trust your gut. I just wasn't feeling it. And I met with another midwife and fell in love with her. I thought, yes, this is the midwife for me. She's very hands-off, which is perfect for me. Having had two births before she's like, oh yeah, this will be great. She wasn't worried about me living an hour and a half from the hospital. She's like, you're fine. It's going to be great. So I went shopping for her before getting pregnant and I got pregnant in August. Uh, we were really thinking, Kate, let's try to conceive. So I was tracking every, everything. Um, I ovulated. I could tell I had ovulated. And um, a few days later, I like was feeling that early pregnancy fatigue already. I was feeling mm-hmm. symptoms really quickly. And a few days after that, nausea had set in. And I'm like, okay, it's too early to test for pregnancy, but I knew, right? Like, okay, this is happening. Um, A few days later, suddenly my symptoms vanished. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I had a lot of bleeding. So I assumed that I had a miscarriage right there. Mm -hmm. But then just 10 days after that, uh, we conceived again. And a few weeks after that, I got a positive. Oh, wow. What a a roller coaster. Yes. I was really grieving. And then all of a sudden I'm pregnant again and dealing with that nausea and the fatigue, but then I did get a positive and I thought, okay, great. So this pregnancy was definitely my, it was my most challenging pregnancy because I had that initial, uh, you know, upheaval. Mm -hmm. And then my first trimester really knocked me on my back. I was, I was laying on the couch. That's all I could do for 14 weeks. And I have two little kids, mm-hmm. four and two years old. Oh, I know those ages. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. I, if I moved, I would throw up. So I just tried to not move. Um, I would have the morning sickness where you would just throw up in the morning and then you're good. Right. I had that mm-hmm. with my first two. I would throw up in the morning and I was good. This one, I would just feel sick all day and I might throw up in the evening and feel okay for a little bit and then be sick again. So that was really challenging. Yeah, that that sounds really, really hard. 
(laughs) It was super hard. Just, but I mean, so you, you said that you and your husband both work from home. Yeah. And he, uh, that saved us because I would have had to like seek out a nanny because I could not have done it. No way. Gosh, no, no, that totally makes sense. Thank goodness for that. That I'm sure that was, was such a huge help, but still, even with that, I just can't imagine just the idea of, I just picture myself, like my two girls, like, oh man, if I were sick, how, how much of an interesting challenge that would be. Well, yeah. And I, I get it. You know, pregnancy is such a sacrifice, um, between being pregnant and then breastfeeding, you really sacrifice a good chunk of your life, like two years at least to, um, bring these babies into the world and then nourish them. And, um, it is a sacrifice. So I just thought, you know, this is, I just, I don't know if I could ever do this again, but of course, after having the third, I'm like, so when are we having our fourth? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but as soon as I started to feel better, I had found your podcast that summer. So last summer I found your podcast and had started listening before I was even pregnant mm. and was loving it. I was binging it. I was re-listening to episodes. I mean, what an amazing resource. So I really, I had had two babies, but I treated this pregnancy like I had never been pregnant before. I really just delved into the education. I read Real Food for Pregnancy. I read Ina Mae Gaskin's book. I read Birthing from Within. And on my in my first pregnancy preparing, I had read The Bradley Method and Hypno Baby. So I've done plenty of education beforehand, but I just wanted to, having, having it be my first home birth, I really wanted to empower myself and really educate myself. And I wanted to set myself up the best that I could. So focusing on my nutrition, um, focusing on trying to be as active as I could where I live. It is frigid in the Mm -hmm. winter. So it is difficult to get out and to be active. Um, and with COVID restrictions, we weren't allowed to, we typically get access to our local church. They have like this big gymnasium in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, and we could like walk laps and that wasn't allowed. And so that was really hard to stay active. So I did gain 50 solid pounds with this pregnancy. <laughs> that, can be, that, that can be very, very healthy. That's nothing wrong with 50 solid pounds. <laughs> yeah. You know, I did feel it was very healthy because I was following those recommendations in the real food for pregnancy. And I just thought, you know, this is all, this is all good. It's totally yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Oh my so. gosh. Like I just think about like the, the guidelines through Weston A. Price and the amount of raw milk that they you know, say to drink, it's like, that's a lot. That's going to, you are going to gain weight, but that's what you're supposed to do during pregnancy. And we, it's, it's hard because of our diet culture to accept that, but wow, what a service you're doing to yourself and your baby by adding that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I love that. I would have her like recommendation. She had like a couple of uh, like meal plan ideas and I remembered after that I would eat eggs and kale with tomatoes like every morning for breakfast. I would just get those green vegetables in and get them in early so you're done for the day. You know, not really, but (laughs) I just loved the ways that we could sneak in some of those just really beneficial foods. And it's just another testament to how midwifery care is so, in my opinion, if you're a low-risk mom, so superior Mm -hmm. because they ask you, are you drinking a lot of water? Are you getting enough protein? Are you getting sleep? Uh, do you need support at home? You know, they just are so invested in your health. And I love that. I wish that every prenatal care was asking you, are you getting the right nutrition? You know, okay, we're at this phase of your trimester. 
um, in this trimester, are you really focusing on choline? You know, are you paying attention to how much iodine you're getting? Those kind of things that do we get that in mainstream medical care? I don't know because, you know, I never went that route, but I really want that for every, every mother and expecting mother. Mm, That's such a good point. I love that. Now, so, okay, so you are super sick during the first part of your pregnancy, and yet you still, it sounds like you were still able to really work on the nutrients. Um, As you got towards the end, and with this midwife being a different midwife, I'd love to hear the, the kind of dynamic that that played in this experience. Oh, that's a good question, because when I first met with her, I said to her, you know, I get it. I live an hour and a half away. I know that normally you do home visits, but listen, if you're willing to take me on as a client, I'll come to you and then you can just come to me for the birth. So we kind of hashed out a deal (laughs) and I have a lot of reasons to go her direction anyway, because we don't have like Walmart, you know, Costco, all those things are over in that town. So I have to drive over there pretty often anyway. Right. So we made a deal where every month I would come to her for my, you know, quote unquote home visits Mm -hmm. while I kind of ran errands over there. And, um, I just, yeah, I really appreciated her um, approach to my healthcare. Uh, my blood pressure was really low during pregnancy. I don't know if anyone else has this, but it's like 90 to 100 over whatever number. Mm. And she's always like, are you feeling faint? Are you feeling okay? I'm like, yes, I promise. I feel great. So um, she was wonderful. I I will use her for all my future births. She was fantastic. Oh, that's so great to hear. Okay, so... So let's hear what, and you, you did all of this new preparation as well. It sounds like for this birth, you said you treated it like it was your first birth. I'd love to hear how you feel like that set you up for your labor and then what that experience was like with your first home birth. Yeah, sure. So I was having a lot of pain when I would even walk. So I did end up having um, some chiropractic care. Mm-hmm. which I had never had with pregnancies before. So I, I focused a lot on, of, on my nutrition. I got chiropractic care when I needed it. And, um, oh, I did want to share about my dilemma of hiring a doula. Can I go into that really oh, quickly? Yeah. So I was going back and forth. Do I do a doula? It's my first home birth. I know I've done this twice before, but I might want a doula, right? For my first home birth. It's just, it's a different scenario. So I really was going back and forth. I reached out to, um, I guess it's like the doula networking um, lady who knows people and can kind of set you up with people. And I asked her, is there anyone taking clients in June? And she said, we have one doula. So I thought, okay. And I was being very prayerful about this decision too. I just thought, you know, Heavenly Father, help me, help me know if this is a good choice. If it's not a good choice, like really help me in this decision-making process. So I learned that there was this one doula available. So I thought, okay, great. We'll meet with her. And if she's a good fit, great. And if not, then we know we're not doing a doula because there's no other doulas available, right? (laughs) So I met with her at 35 weeks pregnant. And this was also the time that I purchased Happy Home Birth Academy. So again, really trying to um, just have all the tools available to me, all the education that I could have so that I knew I was doing all that I could, right, to have a positive birth experience. I met with her and I was a little iffy on her, but I wanted, my husband really wanted to be more involved with this birth. With my second, um, I had labored on my own all night long and he really wasn't a part of that. He basically woke up in the morning, drove me and had a baby 20 minutes later. 
Right. So he had said, you know, I'd really like to be a little more involved this time around. And I thought, you know, if we have a doula, she can help with that. You know, that's often the case where doulas really help the husband shine. So that was really 90% of my motivation to hire a doula was to help him, if you will. So I meet with her and, um, you know what, after two meetings, I said to Justin, I just don't know if I'm feeling this. And he goes, I, I haven't been feeling it from the start. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, really, why didn't you say something? And he said, well, I know you were really conflicted on whether to hire a doula or not. And he didn't want to say, I don't like this doula if I really wanted to use her. Right. right. He wanted to support my decision. Well, little did he know that 90% of my motivation to hire a doula was to support him. So I right. thought, hang on a minute. If he's not jiving with her, this is not going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm feeling a little weird now because I've hired her and I'm like, what do I do now? Fire her? Like, this is weird. So I called my midwife and asked for her advice. And she said, Kelsey, this is exactly what's going to happen. If you go ahead and keep her, you're going to go into labor. We're going to show up. She's going to show up and you're going to say, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Basically go stand in the corner and do nothing. She says, I see this, this happens where mothers think they want to have additional support, but they really just do better laboring without that extra support. And she said recently she went to a birth where there was a doula and she walked in and the doula was like sitting on the couch and she's like, what's going on? And she's like, you know, they just asked me that this is what they asked me to do. So here I am. <laughs> And she's like, I just would hate for you to spend that money and have that be your experience, right? right? So let's just, I think you should just, you know, be a big girl, have a conversation and just let her know we just have changed our minds. I'm like, okay, so that's what we did. And that was the right decision for our family for this pregnancy. You know, I'm not going right. to say that it's that for every pregnancy. I was certainly happy to have my friend's support at my first home, uh, at my first birth with my first midwife. Um, I thought I felt she was invaluable to have just as an experienced woman having been in labor where Justin and I didn't know anything. But yeah, for this third birth, that was the right choice of our family was to just go ahead and stick with the midwife and her two assistants. That's such a great point. And I really appreciate you bringing it up because it's so important to remember that who is in our birth space is so critically important. You know, like it's not like it, just like you said, there are families that are like, okay, actually go sit on the couch. You know, I just, I need this space. So for you to have been able to come to the conclusion, even though in your mind you were like, oh, it would be good to have this doula, then you were able to come to the conclusion, actually, that's not what that's not what my intuition is telling me. That's not what my body is telling me. I need to, I need to make a change. And you made a change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I was really grateful that I did because, and I really, you know, our bodies are funny. I was kind of having that turmoil at 35, 36, 37 weeks of indecision and uncertainty. Wait, um, we have the home visit. Uh, Tabitha comes out with her birth team to my home and she starts palpating my belly and she's a little quiet, which is not normal. <laughs> and she, she says to me and to the other, um, her, she had a, a midwife student with her. She said, I'm 90% certain this baby is breech. <laughs> and, and how many weeks been, long were you then? I was 38 weeks. Yeah. And he had been head down. So I thought this baby 
he could tell he she could tell whatever she was we decided to have the gender be a surprise he or she could feel mommy was in distress and flipped i could tell (laughs) yeah that idea of wanting to be closer to your heart yeah you know i i'm really curious I, I can't prove anything, but you know, our, our babies and our bodies know. Mm-hmm. So 38 weeks, she's palpating my belly. She kind of tries to see if she can turn baby mm-hmm. and nothing. She, the best she could do was get baby transverse. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I'm not going to put it in your chart because I'm only 90% sure. I'm not a hundred percent, but she's, mm-hmm. she's pretty certain. So she said, what do we do? Okay, Kelsey, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? What should we do? She said, well, let's go ahead and get an ultrasound to confirm baby's position and we'll go from there. And I thought, okay, we'll schedule it. So we scheduled an ultrasound for this, for the very next day. And I said, okay, how about we schedule it for the late afternoon? And I will schedule as many appointments of acupuncture, physical therapy, chiropractor that I can find. Mm -hmm. So this was like that morning, right? So she leaves and I get on the phone and I'm scrambling. I'm calling over in that area asking chiropractor offices, physical therapy, acupuncture. I'm just getting as many as I can, just setting up appointments for myself. And in the meantime, I had purchased spinning babies, the, um, you know, education that they offer. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I was done with my appointments, I got to work. (laughs) I got to work doing the breech tilts and the forward leaning inversions and the cat cows and doing multiple sets of them throughout the afternoon and in the evening time. And in the meantime, I had purchased your Happy Home Birth Academy. I turned on some of your tracks, some of your relaxation tracks. And I was just talking to my baby. Everything is good. Everything is fine. Mommy has the perfect birth team. We're ready for you. You go ahead and turn. It's all good. (laughs) You're good. Mommy's good. (laughs) I love that. So the next morning, I did a few more of those sets of all those things, you know, just doing everything that I could at home to encourage baby to turn. And we drive over to Idaho Falls to um, do all of my appointments. I meet with a chiropractor and he was initially going to do acupuncture. And he's like, you know, let's, let's check you out first. So he, of course, palpates my belly and he's like, you know, and he's evaluating me. He says, you know, your pelvis is um, crooked and it's concave. so your baby does not have room to float on down there so I'm going to go ahead and fix that and we'll see what happens right so he he worked on me for a little bit and sure enough he cracked my spine in about a thousand places he aligns my pelvis and I can already tell things feel differently baby's suddenly on the move and he said you know that baby should just find room to float on down so you just come back and see me if you know you need to I'm like, okay. So I see him. I also went to a physical therapist who, ah, I don't know that he did much. Uh, I don't know that there was much he could do. (laughs) I had called before and asked if they had a pelvic floor physical therapist. And they said, oh yeah, but I got there and I'm like, uh, maybe you actually don't (laughs) know what you're doing. Not quite. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not quite. But after that, I did drive to my midwife's house and I'm just praying, Heavenly Father, help this baby to turn. And she's like, oh, he's head down. He's head down. I'm like, oh, hallelujah. Wow. <laughs> he should stay there, right? He should. We hope he or she, <laughs> whoever it is. I mean, I won't make any promises, but. <laughs> yeah. She said, you know, he's still, the baby's still pretty high up. Um, so do what you can now that we know baby's head is down to get him or her into, you know, position. So from there, I knew it was safe to kind of do those squats and just encourage, you know, um, that to happen. 
Yeah. Wow. What a, <laughs> what a whirlwind right there at 38 weeks. That is, that is crazy too, especially since it was like, okay, well, baby had been head down and then chose to flip and then you did all of these things. It sounds like, do you feel like the chiropractic care was, was really essential in that? Yes, it was. And not all chiropractors are created the same. Yeah. Um, I had been seeing a different chiropractor all throughout my pregnancy, uh, but I knew I needed uh, someone else to really help with this. Yeah. And so I sought out this other one that's a, he's also a naturopath. Mm. And I just thought, you know what, this, this line of care, they know what's up, you know, they know what it is that I need. And um, they understand that I'm not crazy for going to a chiropractor for getting help to turn the baby. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was amazing. He ended up helping after the fact, um, I've taken my newborn to him to help with a little bit of reflux. I mean, he hardly has had any, but he really cleared all that up. And, you know, I just have this thriving, very content, happy newborn now. So really seek out if you think your chiropractor is great, you know, there could be others that are mm -hmm. <laughs> just that yeah. much more knowledgeable. You know what I mean? That's such a good point. That's so true. Wow. Okay. So baby is back down in the head down position. You've had your home uh, visit. You've met with your midwife now. She's confirmed the baby is head down. What happens next? So with my first two, I had gone over 11 days over for the first eight days over for the second. So I just was planning on having a baby by June 30th, right? Like I'll have a baby by June 30th. My due date was the 16th, um, according to my last uh, menstrual cycle, but I had an early ultrasound to date the pregnancy because I had all that confusing, mm -hmm. maybe miscarriage, maybe not, you know, time in the beginning, which put me at June 13th. So, you know, right in there. Um, so I'm at 39 weeks and I start to get those contractions that are annoying enough to keep you awake at night, but you know, probably not doing much, but you know, doing a little. And I start to lose my mucus plug. And I had a visit with my midwife that week. So I tell her what's going on. And she goes, yeah, you know, we may have a baby by the weekend. Let's just kind of see what happens. Um, Thursday comes and I can sense that things are happening. And my guess is that I'm probably going to have the baby within the next day or two. So I'm kind of like wrapping up loose ends. I go to the post office, right? And the lady there says, oh yeah, so how do you feel? And I said, you know, I think I'm going to have this baby kind of soon, right? I ended up having the baby the next day, but yes, I told her, I think the baby's going to come soon. Um, that evening, I start to have contractions that are about 10 minutes apart and they are contractions that are like stopping me in what I'm doing, right? I have to stop and really focus on it and breathe with it. So I call my midwife and I say, you know, they're 10 minutes apart, but I'm just letting you know that things are happening. And, um, about nine 30 at night, I can tell it's on. Right. So I, I give her a heads up. Things are warming up, but you know, you don't need to come out just quite yet. So by about 1130 that night, she came with her two, uh, her student midwife and with her birth assistant. And it was so interesting. Um, this was another, really, I was grateful that I did not hire the doula because I had a very shy uterus, this mm. labor. Um, I would have, con I was having contractions like five to six minutes apart before she got here. As soon as she arrived, I hear the door open. My contractions, they spaced way out, 11, wow. 13 minutes apart. They backed way off. Mm. Um, 
and she came and she assessed, you know, my belly, nature, you know, whatever. And uh, it took a while for my contractions to get back into a pattern. Mm-hmm. And so eventually they filled the birth pool for me and I'm able to get into that. And I labored in there for the majority of the night, you know, midnight to about 6 a.m. And anytime, anytime the midwife would peek into the door and the door would go, (laughs) my contractions would stop. They would back off. It was so interesting. So it was just my husband and I for most of that time, because anytime someone would come in, even just to observe at one point, the student midwife came in just to observe, but I could tell they were there and my my body could tell because it stopped. Mm. <laughs> it was so weird. Um, so about 4 a.m. comes and my contractions completely stop. And I told Justin, you know, go take a nap because I don't feel like I need support right now. Nothing's happening. So just go take a nap. And I thought to myself, okay, this could be my body getting ready for the final act, right? Mm-hmm. So I take that time to rest. And I totally took a little snooze in the tub from about 4 to 6 a.m. So come that time, Tabitha comes in. She goes, you know, do you want me to check you? And I thought, oh, the dilemma, right? Do I have you check me? Because I I went ahead and agreed because I knew even if I was, let's say I was only three or four centimeters, I knew that could change in half an hour. I wasn't worried, but I didn't know that my husband knew. So I didn't want him to be discouraged. So I said, okay, you can check me, but let's not tell Justin what the number is. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Keep it between us. I don't want him to feel discouraged. Well, little do I know he's in the next room awake and he totally hears me and my conversation. He's like, ah, that lady. (laughs) So she checks me and she goes, you're at a seven. So she said, you know, my guess is you're going to come into transition here pretty quickly and you're going to have a baby pretty soon. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, I think her checking me really kind of spurred things along. Um, And I went right into transition and I had just the weirdest contractions. They would start and stop and start and stop. And then I would have the contraction that would then ease off. And I'm like, what the weird? Mm -hmm. So my labor pattern was so, so weird this time. Um, I get to the point where I could, I'm starting to feel pushy and my kids are still asleep. I was not sure what I wanted to do with my older two. A lot of people just kind of give them to, you know, friends or family right away. And I just had half a mind that, you know, I'm going to go into labor at night and I'll, maybe I'll have the baby by the time they wake up. So I just didn't want to worry about waking them up and, you know, taking them. So they're still asleep. I'm pushing. And nothing is really happening. I'm like pushing in the birth pool, but I know I'm not, it's just not feeling really effective, you know, but I'm like, you know, just give it, give it some time. So I'm pushing a little bit more and, um, the birth assistant comes in. She goes, Hey, Kelsey, do you want your mom to take your kids? She's here. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) she's here. <laughs> she does live uh, about a half a mile down the road. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was um, my dad has farm uh, land right across the street from us. Mm-hmm. And he had come over to his field to check on his pivot. And he saw a bunch of cars parked in our driveway. And he goes, Oh, Kelsey must be having a baby. <laughs> so he went home and tells my mom, and she thinks, Oh, I better go over there and take care of her kids, right? <laughs> so the the uh, birth assistant and the student midwife were so great. My kids had ended up waking up and they had just like turned on the TV and put on a show for them in the meantime. And so my mom shows up and she takes them and it was like perfect timing. So 
my mom took care of the two older ones. They went to Ryanie's house. And at this point, um, my midwife, she was really encouraging me, okay, wait to push until you can't not push when you have a contraction. And let's see how that goes for you. Because as I was saying, I wasn't feeling really effective. Mm -hmm. So I did that and I could tell that was, that was better, but I still was feeling like it wasn't doing anything. She said, why don't you go ahead and see if you can feel his head? So I went and I, I tried that. I'm like, you know, I'm just not, no, nothing. And so she went ahead and said, you know, I think this baby is acyclitic and I think a different position might be beneficial. So Justin said, yeah, why don't we go ahead and try that? So we moved from the birth pool to the bed. And at this point I was feeling pretty discouraged because it had been about an hour of really trying to push in the tub. And I was starting to feel, um, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when I have those pushing contractions, they feel like lightning shooting down my legs. I have really um, a lot of leg pain along with my contractions. So I'd had of an hour of that and my legs were exhausted. Mm -hmm. Even laying in the birth pool, trying to relax in between, they were really tired. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have these contractions again. And with my first two, when I would push um, afterward, when the contraction is done, my legs would seize up you know, they'd have a, a really big cramp because of how exhausted they were. So it was like, I was resting, but also not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after having pushed for an hour and feeling discouraged and knowing what was coming, right, I knew, okay, pushing on this bed, my legs are going to struggle. Mm-hmm. I was feeling down and Tabitha could tell. So she's, <laughs> I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and uh, right before I laid back, she took my face in her hands. And she said, Kelsey, you've so got this. And I just like, <laughs> I just had crocodile tears there for a minute. Like I nodded my head. Okay, I've got this. You know, it's okay. I'm okay. We're okay. This is fine. And sure enough, I laid back and I could tell on my first push, okay, this is what we needed. This is getting things done. And I felt a lot better about my pushing. And then, you know, wonky labor pattern up to this point continued with my pushing phase. Um, I wouldn't have another contraction for like five or six minutes. Um, So I did get a lot of rest, which is great. (laughs) But my legs were really, oh, they were really struggling. Um, But I had about five pushes and Tabitha says, Oh, you know, I had this push and it was like, (laughs) Justin took some notes for me for later so I could reflect. He wrote down, Kelsey screamed really loud. (laughs) (laughs) That's the note note he wrote down. At this point, that is when I had pushed him past my pubic bone. Uh, Because after that, Tabitha says, do you want to see if you want to go to the bathroom? Let's see if you need to pee. And I was like, okay, sure. I stood up and like, bam. I tried to take one step and I could feel baby drop. So I like squatted and Justin caught me and I do a push and his head is like starting to present and I can feel the ring of fire. Wow. And I start to push again and they say, okay, go ahead and slow down, slow down so that it gives your tissues time to uh, stretch. By some miracle, I was able to like slow down and listen to that. Mm -hmm. The next push, I get his head out and then they say, okay, Kelsey, last push, let's do it, right? They're all there and I push and like, baby comes out and we all collapse on the floor 
(laughs) And this is such a testament to how amazing midwives are because I had been on the bed. And when I stood up, they were so ready. Like they put down those, whatever they put down. Yes. They like in a flurry, you know, put those things down and we're just ready for it. And I had stood there and done that like amazing squat pushing for those couple of pushes that I did there at the end. And they caught me there. And it was, I mean, it was amazing what they were able to just be ready to do. And as soon as he came out, he was pretty purple, but I wasn't like worried because I knew his cords attached. He's fine. Mm -hmm. At this point, I don't know that he's a boy yet. His cords right there between his legs. (laughs) And uh, my midwife says, you know, we're going to go ahead and give him a few breaths just to help him come around. I'm like, okay, great. So she's working on him. And I'm like patiently waiting to see if he's a boy or a girl. (laughs) And I think I see a testicle. But I'm Is that waiting. a testicle? <laughs> yes. So Justin's like, you know, kind of trying to take a peek. He says to me, can you tell if it's a boy or a girl? And I said, I don't know, but I think I saw balls. <laughs> 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 and sure enough, he's finally, you know, well enough with his breathing that they, you know, hand him to me and we look and he's a boy. So oh. here I am, a mother of three boys. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so that was a fun surprise. Um, I thought he was going to be a girl. I did because mm-hmm. my pregnancy was so much different and mm-hmm. my labor was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was in transition, I was really emotional, which I hadn't been before, but I was feeling just so grateful in that moment. I had, I was so grateful for my husband, for my birth team, for this baby. And I was just letting that gratitude fill my body to, as I was trying to relax. And I just felt so loved and supported. It was really a sacred space, you know, when I was in that transition moment and it was making me emotional. Like I was really, really emotional in that moment. So all of those things, I thought this is going to be a girl, like for sure. Right. But no, he's my little boy. Um, he was seven pounds, six ounces. He was my littlest, my tiniest. Wow. He was my most difficult labor because mm-hmm. he, he was in a, not a great position. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this until afterwards, but you know, the midwives are taking care of things. They get me into bed and they're taking care of me. And that's when Tabitha basically broke the news to me that, yeah, he was, he was asynclitic. He mm-hmm. uh, was not in a good position when I got here. <laughs> she tells me from that previous night at 11 o'clock at night. And that was why she said, your labor pattern was so weird because, you know, he just wasn't that nice chin tucked down. He was more like his ear was more like tucked toward his shoulder. Mm -hmm. He was just really, it was really a challenge to get him through the birth canal. So it's a testament to, um, you know, birth size really doesn't have anything to do with it. It really is baby baby position you can have a 10 pound baby and it can be your easiest labor you know Mm -hmm. if they're in a good position but you can have a little seven pound baby and if they're if they're not in a good position you know that can be a challenge oh I I so agree with that I I've thought a number of times and I remember a childbirth education um, teacher saying one time like you know I'd prefer I'd prefer a big baby over a small one because it does seem like, you know, okay, they can get lined up. There's less, there's less chance for them to kind of move around like that. And obviously he was already moving, you know, he had to move from breach all the way down to head down. So yeah, it makes sense that, that, that happened. Um, and what do you, so when you think back on that home birth 
even with the asyncliticism and and all of that, how do you how do you feel about that experience? Oh, it was amazing. You know, it was so hard, and I'm not going to deny that it was my most difficult labor. Um, but I did it. You know, what do you do? You do it. <laughs> um, I had the most amazing birth team. I told Tabitha afterward, okay, next time I want the exact same people <laughs> because my body's familiar with them. So maybe next time my uterus won't be so shy. <laughs> I remembered one of the birth assistants. She had said to me when we moved from the birth pool to the bedroom, she said she felt like there were angels in the room, like <laughs> ready to help, um, bring this special baby to our family. And I just think that is so special mm-hmm. to have had that experience. And I felt that way when I was in labor, when I was in the birth pool, I just, like I said, I felt so loved and supported and it, it really brought me to tears how sacred that space felt. Mm. And I would never do it another way if it was my choice. <laughs> and yeah. so I really, I love, I love um, the experiences that midwives offer their clients. And it's the only way to go, in my opinion, (laughs) is so long as you are, you know, a low risk mom and are willing to take on, I guess, whatever risk that you're willing to take on. But I was a very low risk mom, you know, no gestational diabetes with any of my pregnancies, no group B strep with any of my pregnancies, Um, very active, very focused on my nutrition. Um, I did the date trick, right? I drank the red raspberry leaf tea, uh, the Nora tea is what I would do. Mm -hmm. So I just did everything that I possibly could to, to have a good experience. And Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful experience so much as it was hard. It was a wonderful experience and I wouldn't have done it any other way. Oh, that's amazing to hear. And, and, you know, with your postpartum, it, your postpartum hasn't been that long when we're having this interview. So what has that experience been like this time? Yeah, this time I really let myself take it easy. So I had prepared my meals ahead of time. And of course, there's so many friends and family who are willing to bring you things in the beginning. So that's lovely because you can just let your freezing meals sit until people are done bringing you food, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I let myself stay in bed and I had my husband, he did not have um, a paternity leave that he normally had had. He had changed companies. Um, so he wasn't really able to take much time off, but he is work from home and he does have that flexibility. So he took maybe three days off and really took care of the big kids so that I could just be in bed with my newborn. I didn't get out of bed unless I was going to the bathroom. He would bring me my breakfast and my lunch and my dinner. He was fabulous. And I laid in bed for the first 10 days or so, because at that point, my parents, they had their 50th wedding anniversary this year and they had nine kids. And so they said for this anniversary, we're going to gather the whole clan, right? The whole team and do this vacation house, um, over in kind of by Island park, which is by kind of by Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did not want to miss that. And that was 10 days later. So (laughs) 10 day new baby. We drove over there and did that. And I took it very easy while I was there, but, um, I was, I was wanting to stay in bed for as long as possible until I needed to be on my feet to go and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, I really loved for postpartum care. I made homemade patsicles with witch hazel and lavender and tea tree oil Mm -hmm. that I would put in the freezer. Those were so nice to have for right after birth. I really liked the Earth Mama Baby Angel Perineal Spray. 
Um, and the after East tincture was, uh, wonderful for me. Oh. It worked like magic. That's so good to hear. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my goodness, Kelsey. What an amazing journey that you've had with your two birth center births. And then this last home birth, one of the things that I really loved to hear about was how you just took preparation so seriously, even though, okay, yes, you've had two births before, but you, you became a student and really worked through everything as best you could and and prepared as best you could. And gosh, I mean, your experience, like you said, though difficult, still so empowering and so beautiful. And that is what I want for everyone. So thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been so beautiful. And it's been just such an honor to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so, so much. What an episode. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I have a few discussion points that really stood out to me. Number one, Kelsey discussed how the membrane strips performed by her midwife with her first baby caused quite a bit of confusion and discomfort, and she wasn't expecting them. There were several events that occurred without consent, and this is an important piece of information for moms to hear, as well as midwives. Mothers, remember that you have the right to decline. And midwives, remember that in order for a mother to be able to decline, she has to know what the intentions are. It's vitally important for midwives and mothers to be on the same page as to what's going on and to feel comfortable with the decisions being made. Number two, when it comes to creating your birth team, listen to your intuition. Kelsey felt like she needed a doula because duh, everyone says doulas are great, but when it came down to it, she really didn't feel that that's what this labor was asking of her. She honored that and she's grateful that she did. Listen, I love doulas, but it's also important to remember that every situation is different and leaning into prayer and your own intuition are the best ways to decide what's right for you. And finally, Kelsey said several times just how loved she felt throughout the entire experience with her third baby. She was surrounded by a team who truly cared for her and was there to support her. And that makes all the difference. I love how Kelsey prepared for this baby. I love that even though this was a third birth, she took the time to focus and dedicate herself to preparation, and she ended up having a beautiful, happy home birth. It's what I wish for all of you. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.